I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. So lungis are having their moment in the sun. It's not like they ever went out of fashion or anything. It's just that they are coming back as statement pieces once again. You know, like they did when Chennai Express first released, or when the legendary Rajnikanth adorned one in Kala. And this time, it's millennials who are reinventing lungis. Though the classic Madras checks remain evergreen, the Hindu recently reported on a series of brands that are stylizing lungis to fit a modern aesthetic. New designs, new functionalities with pockets and waistbands, and new stylized borders. Basically, the brands are turning the free-flowing, free-size lungis into stylish loungewear. As Rashmi Podhuvul of the label Seamstress points out, lungis appeals to the hipster living inside every millennial who's looking for the perfect handmade, organic, and locally sourced attire to show how connected they are to their roots. The lungi is also being revitalized as a way for the youth to revive their cultural heritage, as much as it has become a way to reclaim this culture. But sadly, in June this year, a residential colony in Noida put up a notice banning lungis in public. It's this kind of discrimination that inspired Chennai-based designer and fashion blogger Purushu Ari to start his label Wear Your Freedom. Ari points out how lungis have acted as a symbol of resistance in the past. like against caste oppression on the silver screen similarly he uses his designs to fight against stereotypes and binaries in the real world much like varsha devjani's label the sufi studio which promotes nonconformity through its clothing both designers basically say that the gender neutrality of lungis inspires fluidity plus the added functionality of pockets and waistbands has also made the attire more accessible making it easier for older generations to keep up with their daily traditions and opening up an unanticipated market so this time around the lungi's latest comeback is arguably not inspired by a bollywood number or a celebrity but a more concrete cultural need for acceptance for the next few minutes you're going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology business policy and anything that leaves you with food for thought hi i'm manaswini and this is the deep dive for 11th december 2023 suppose that you're a lawmaker and your whole job is telling people and businesses what is allowed in your territory and what is not now how will you as a lawmaker go about regulating a relatively new piece of technology which is poised to disrupt lives and livelihoods left right and center and bear it in mind that the disruptive technology in question is not quite static rather it is still evolving at a rapid pace and of course we are talking about artificial intelligence here as we have already discussed at least a dozen times on this podcast now ai poses a triple threat It is very likely to automate a sizable chunk of white collar creative jobs. It is most likely to turbocharge production of falsehoods and disinformation. And if you believe creators of this technology, it is also likely that it may supersede human intelligence one day in the near future. So across oceans, people agree that a technology as transformative as AI needs to be regulated. No doubts about it. But it's just that it's not exactly a cakewalk to police AI. asked the european union 
In 2021, the bloc of European countries had unveiled the first draft of the so-called AI Act. The policymakers at Brussels had then declared that Europe was quote-unquote future-proof. And then after 19 months, came along OpenAI's wonderkind, ChatGPT. And claims of being future-proof went the way of the dodo. As the New York Times pointed out, there was no mention of general-purpose AI models in the 2021 draft. So basically, European lawmakers were caught blindsided. And as ChatGPT went viral, lawmakers at Brussels scrambled to rewrite the AI Act. And now just last Friday, as the European Union reached a deal and agreed on the details of the revised AI Act, Europe is one step closer to installing the world's first sweeping AI law. In the Act, there are provisions for how law enforcement agencies should utilize AI-powered surveillance. It bans systems that identify individuals based on protected characteristics such as race or sexual orientation. Additionally, there are measures to safeguard copyright holders. Under the Act, the makers of large language models operating in Europe will be facing new transparency requirements, and companies using AI material will have to explicitly flag it so. However, final approval on this Act is still pending. And the New York Times reports that the law is not expected to take effect for at least 18 months. 18 months. Now that's a lot of time. It should not come as an outrageous suggestion that by the time Europe's AI law enters the books, it might be obsolete yet again. In the fast-changing world of AI, 18 months are almost an eternity. As Andrea Renda, who is a senior research fellow at the Center of European Policy Studies, told the Financial Times, and I quote, there's a risk this EU text ends up being prehistorical, end quote. The European Union, given that its lawmakers so zealously want to set a global standard for AI regulations, might not want to be caught blindsided once again. But that's precisely the challenge. AI, at least for the foreseeable future, will keep evolving. And the law will have to keep pace and be up for revisions. Europe's AI Act is also widely seen as the first attempt at regulating AI. But this bit is not quite true. The AI Act of Europe, which still needs final approval, is the first attempt at regulating AI in the Western world. In China, however, AI rules already came into effect in August this year. The Chinese approach to police AI is also distinct from Europeans. Unlike the EU's AI Act, which goes by the principle that higher the risk, stricter the rules, China has sought to first regulate the content gulled out by chatbots and image generators. According to Cyberspace Administration of China's Generative AI Measures, Generative AI services should not generate content, quote, inciting subversion of national sovereignty or the overturn of the socialist system, end quote. Which basically means any new Generative AI service in the Middle Kingdom has to be first approved by China's Cyberspace Administration. And this policy could not have been any more different from what its arch-rival, the United States. The US, as expected, is not coming up with an explicit regulation on AI yet. Companies are supposed to self-regulate. But American lawmakers have in fact confessed that they don't understand the technology well enough to make policies. And this discomfort with regulation makes total sense. You see, because American AI companies have incredible advantage over other global players. And the US will not be willing to let go of it. So instead of explicit laws, which may hamper rapid development of AI systems, it is more likely that we'd see antitrust trials in America. In fact, just two days ago, 
Bloomberg reported that the US Federal Trade Commission is examining Microsoft's investment into OpenAI and if they've violated any of the antitrust laws. This way, the US can ensure that a single business doesn't become an AI monopoly while the development of technology goes unaffected. A similar examination is going on in the United Kingdom as well. Meanwhile, in India, it is in wait and watch mode. The Times of India reported that IT Minister Ashwini Vaishnav recently informed Parliament that the centre is not planning to regulate the growth or set any laws for AI in the country. This is good news for OpenAI because the company is reportedly looking to set up a local team in India. Anyway, from the looks of it, we can say that the race to reign in AI is going to be no less thrilling than the race to develop AI in the first place. Seems like tech policy people won't be jobless. If you like listening to The Signal Daily, please show us some support. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. So feel free to shoot an email at hello at thesignal.co. The Signal Daily is produced in association with IVM. The episode was researched, written and produced by Dhruv Sharma and Anup Semwal. Edited by Venkat Anand. Mastered and mixed by Manas and Nirvan. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. We are the signal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. <laughs>